Boom, people. Welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets. I'm Bridger Payton. So today we have a special guest on the podcast, Mr. Aaron Wagner. This is part one of two pieces we're going to post on the podcast. And this comes from a much longer interview me and Aaron did. Actually, Aaron has agreed to be one of our mastermind coaches, which is pretty exciting. So all the the longer interview is going to be in the mastermind that comes out in a couple weeks, which is pretty exciting. But this episode, Aaron tells his story of how he got started. So Aaron is a former, came to the United States. He's an immigrant and played football here and is also a former pro football player, played for a couple years. And during that time, he realized football is not going to last forever. I got to get into other stuff. So he decided to get into real estate, but was the problem was he was an immigrant, right? So he didn't have the proper visa to sign on deals and, and to get working. So you're going to hear in this episode how he finagled that, how he got into the real estate space, and now over the last decade has gotten to a lot of different deals, a lot of different asset classes, not just real estate, but he's done hospitality, other um, franchises, a whole conglomerate of things he'll tell you all about in this episode. Uh, but Aaron now runs Wags Capital. That's kind of the overarching company. They have around $2 billion of enterprise value with all their companies together. Three of their businesses combined do about $100 million of revenue every single year. And Aaron... We'll tell you that he's, I love Aaron because he's just straightforward, tells you how it is. He's not going to fluff it up. This guy never went to Harvard, never had a fancy degree, didn't have a fancy background, just did it bare bones and has been very, very successful. And that's why I wanted to bring him on the show to show you his story and how it's possible. So hope you guys enjoy. See ya. Bye. I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around. And now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it? With no investors and without an Ivy League degree, this podcast is going to give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. Hey guys, welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets. I'm Bridger Pennington. Today, we got a really special guest with us. Mr. Aaron Wagner. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Pleasure, man. So, so Aaron runs Wags Capital. Um, I would say unconventionally, kind of in the fund world, syndicate world, raising money, doing deals, um, former pro pro football player. Anyways, we'll get into all of this in this episode. Pretty exciting, though. Um, well, Aaron, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing today? Doing great. So Aaron's got how many kids? I've got seven kids. Wow. Uh, Twelve and under. Oh my goodness. And so we've got a little bit of chaos at home, but uh, <laughs> we manage our madness. And that's oh my goodness. So, but yeah, before we dive into things, yeah, you've been married how long with your wife? Uh, coming up on 15 years. Wow, okay. And uh, yeah, we were married in college my junior year. Um, and somehow or another, we've made it through. Hmm. So, <laughs> Jeez, that's exciting. <laughs> every, every day is a, a challenge with a lot of kids and a lot of business stuff going on. Yeah. And, but, it, but it's what keeps things exciting. Hmm. So WAG's capital right now, yeah, and we're, we're going to dive probably all into this, but what are you guys currently working on and doing? Yeah. Um, where are you kind of at? How, how, what's, well, and tell us the story on WAG's capital too. How'd you get started? Sure. How'd you get going to that? And tell us where you're at now. Sure. So I, um, um, I got into business after I was done playing football. I actually started while I was in college. I started flipping homes on the side. So after I was done um, playing football, like during, after practice, I would, I would go to a house and I'd be laying carpet or I'd be painting walls and... And I just got into the business because, um, quite frankly, I, I'm I'm an immigrant from Canada, and so I wasn't mm-hmm. able to work uh, like off campus. Mm-hmm. And international students were actually only allowed to work 20 hours on campus, and so I just couldn't make enough money. I came from a family that's really really poor, and so mm-hmm. we didn't have they didn't, we didn't have any other means. I was driving like a 
1984 50 cc Raz scooter <laughs> you know for six bucks I could fill it up and drive it for yeah. like two weeks but my scholarship check was like 430 bucks a month and mm. when you're 245 pounds eating 6,000 calories a day mm. that doesn't go very far yeah and so after rent and everything else it was just like there wasn't much left and so I ended up um, talking to one of my former mission companions uh, dad into putting a down payment on a house mm. I did the research and I said hey I've got a whole bunch of teammates. I know they get a scholarship check on the first of every month. Hmm. They can pay me rent. So we found a house. He put a down payment on hmm. on the house for me. He co-signed because I didn't have any credit wow. being yeah. a Canadian citizen and an international student. And I couldn't qualify for Pell Grants. I couldn't hmm. get any of the, the additional funding that most other people have. And so um, I started renting out. One of the cool things, very unique about BYU is that um, in most places, college campuses throughout the world, there's no way in heck you could ever get college students to like literally share bedrooms mm. I mean it just doesn't happen but at BYU mm. it's really common because just they're trying to save money save money yeah it's just cheap yeah lifestyle mm -hmm. and so you can actually just rent out by the bed and so we had a few bedrooms in there where we had like two and three sets of bunk beds and we were charging <laughs> 250 bucks for a bunk bed like one bed on the bunk oh bed. wow yeah so we had we had bedrooms that we were bringing in like fifteen hundred dollars in rent yeah. just on one room. It's a great room. cap, right? Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> so we were crushing it. All of a sudden, my four hundred thirty dollar scholarship check didn't seem like that much because I was making fifteen hundred bucks off renting one room out mm -hmm. of the bedroom or in the in the house. Anyway, so um, I just got really lucky. We timed um, the sale of that house mm -hmm. really, really well. Made a bunch of money. I rolled it into an, a couple other condos mm -hmm. where after football practice I was laying carpet, painting walls, changing yeah. light fixtures, and again, timing was really good to me. And this so, mentor was co-signing again on these new properties? Yeah, you had he, got he really wasn't much of a mentor, but he was a really good help. Yeah, like, I gotcha. I mean, he really, like, he's a good guy, um, he put the down payment, he co-signed, but mm -hmm. after that, just that first deal, that yeah. was it. After that, I had my own money, mm -hmm. and so yeah. I was talking sellers into just carrying paper for me with a down payment. Yeah. And um, I was able to just go in and then flip those, and mm -hmm. it worked out really good. So that's kind of what launched me into the business side, like real estate. Mm -hmm. And after that, after while I was playing pro football, obviously I was able to establish like a really cool network of, of guys, but not not just good guys, guys that were making a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, these were guys that during the crash, where everybody else that was that had made their money in business or real estate was getting really stung, mm -hmm. but my teammates were all still making a ton of money. And quite frankly, they didn't know what to do with it. Hmm. Like yeah. for them, I remember I started doing deals with a couple of my former teammates and they were going really well. And, and because the, the pro football world's kind of this network of fraternity of good old boys, mm -hmm. it was one of those situations where if we did a good deal, it was like, hey, dude, you should put your money with Wax. He's, he's our guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it, was just, it became really easy. It's what um, people in the institutional or like um, kind of the savvy business yeah, world yeah. called dumb money uh, yeah I, and I don't mean that to be condescending to any of my former teammates but they made their money playing football mm -hmm. they didn't make their money in business or in real estate and so it was one of those things where like literally my pitch was like yeah man it's a it's a cool deal and like you should do it with us <laughs> yeah. and they're like okay and then mm -hmm. it, it literally conditioned into this point where it was like I seen how they were spending their money mm -hmm. and losing their money and leaking all of their money and Which it, pro football player? I mean, that traditionally everybody just the, knows that. the worst money managers in the world, right? Absolutely. So, so it literally became. It got to a point where I would sit down like this with some of my former teammates or who they had referred to me, other players, mm -hmm. and I would just look them in the eye and say, "Hey, man, if I don't lose your money, I'm the best investment option you have." Hmm. And they were like, 
what? I'm like, <laughs> dude, it's going to family members and entourages and clubs and cars. It's just leaking. Yeah. If you give me your money and we do a deal and I don't lose it, I'm the best investment you have. <laughs> and they were kind of like, it was, it was some of these guys obviously like, you know, whatever. Yeah. But some of them were like, it sunk in and they're like, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, we were doing really good deals. Too. Yeah, you're still making money. Yeah, yeah we were making yeah. money. So yeah. it was, I was just trying to set expectations where they should be, right? And mm-hmm. it's something I learned really early in my career was um, that satisfaction for any relationship, whether it be a business partnership, whether it be an investor, whether it be your spouse, mm-hmm. satisfaction is only one thing. It's expectations versus performance. Hmm. And you could literally be making investors 20% IRRs, but if you tell them that you're gonna, that you can guarantee 30s, they're gonna be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was one of those things where if I led with, hey, just, I'm gonna underwrite every deal to make sure that I get your principal back, that's all that matters. Yeah. And then when we made returns, people got really excited about that, which perpetuated, obviously, the referrals mm-hmm. and the growth. And so. That led me into my post career after playing football. And, and, and what time frame is this? What what year? Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Okay, yeah. so right after so, the crash. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which yeah. which again was fantastic timing for me yeah. because I was just getting into real estate full time, having transitioned away from playing pro football. But at that time, everybody was jumping out of real estate. Hmm. Like literally, there was like sixty or seventy percent of licensees in the state of Utah didn't renew their license. Wow. Because these huh. were a bunch of realtors that were used to like putting signs in the front yard and. Making money. Selling, yeah. yeah, making money. They didn't have to work for it. Most of them came into the business during a time that it was just really easy. Mm. Kind of like what it feels like right now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. literally right now, there's more realtors, licensed realtors in the state of Utah than there has been ever. Mm. Because times are good and people, everybody has a friend or a brother or cousin that wants to sell a property. So they go get their license. It costs them 2000 bucks, and mm-hmm. their first commission is grand. they are like, great ROI. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. 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 So here's the deal. I came in. Everybody's jumping out. I'm kind of like, why is, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Well, what I realized really quickly as a realtor, as a licensee, is I was taking all these listings, and I could get listings like butter. I mean, everybody, mm-hmm. like when I got into the business, I remember people talking about, oh man, you know, the lifeline of your business as a realtor is you have to get listings. Mm-hmm. And so I would knock on every door that had a for sale by owner sign, and I would just cold call every morning for hours, and I started picking up listings like my first month. I, I, I think I, I took on like 31 listings, which oh, wow. was like unbelievable. Oh, yeah, that's right? amazing, yeah. So I thought, oh my gosh, I'm the best things ever happened to real estate. This is oh, amazing. yeah, yeah. And I realized really quickly of the 31 listings, I think I sold one of them. Oh my goodness, one. wow. And Jeez. so everybody wanted a list. Yep. But no, no buyers. But there's no buyers, yep. right? And so, and, and not only that, there wasn't, it wasn't just that there was no buyers, it was that everybody's expectations of what they're, property values were were so lofty still they were still like pre-crash but we were right in the free fall of the crash and so to be able to sell your property you had to jump ahead of the curve Mm -hmm. but nobody wanted to do that yeah they don't want to take that that everybody wanted to just sit on the tail end of it yeah and just ride it all the way to no man's land right yeah and so i couldn't sell anything but what i did realize was we were getting a lot of i was picking up a lot of buyer leads so Mm -hmm. people would call in the properties I'd show them another property that somebody was realistic about their price and we'd sell them that one. And that's what changed it for me is because I picked up a couple of real estate investors mm-hmm. as my buyers. Yeah. And so these guys would lay out a really simple criteria and they'd say, hey, go find me a home that's this, this, and this mm-hmm. with at least this much equity that does this and rents for this. 
And so I'd go do all the heavy lifting and the leg work and I'd yeah. find this property and then I'd represent them on the buyer side. Mm -hmm. I'd make a commission. They'd fix it up, put some, you know, new carpet, new paint, new, uh, or whatever. It was yeah. like super simple. Back oh then. yeah. Yeah. And they turn around and they'd make 30 or 40 or 50 grand flipping the house. Mm -hmm. And I'd get another commission. So I'd be like, oh yeah, great. I just made 20 grand. Yep. But these guys just made 50. Yep. And I'm that guy that's like, whoa, what's going on? I uh -huh. just did all the hard work. You did nothing. Yep. You just wrote a check. And so pretty soon I realized like, I could do that. I'm the one that's doing this. Which a lot of people listening to the show get mad at, right? The, the wealth, the rich get richer. I just, why, why is it like, you see this on the news all the time. Absolutely. And it's like, well, you can either complain or you get can on the just right side get it. on the right side of the deal, Absolutely. right? Yeah, and that's yeah. what you decided so to do. So for me, I was like, man, if these guys can do this, I can do this, because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm literally doing it. I'm yeah. the one doing the work. So now I could go find a deal. I could get the seller to pay me a buyer's commission mm -hmm. for me buying it. The commission that I earned was literally the down payment that I needed for my private money loan <laughs> yeah. to be able to buy the property. Yeah. So it was no money out of pocket because mm -hmm. the seller was paying for my down payment. Yeah. Yeah. Then I do the fix-ups and I borrow some money from private sources. Mm -hmm. We flip this property. And I'd make not only the twenty thousand dollars in commissions on both sides, but I'd I'd make an additional fifty or sixty or whatever, however much we were making on the flip. Yeah. So I re like it just struck me. It was like a total paradigm shift of like, man, this is really easy. I mean, it got to a point where we we're building our business. We we're doing over a hundred. We we're flipping over a hundred homes a year. Wow. Yeah. And at that point, it felt illegal. It was like, it was so easy. Just I mean, print money no, in your basement. Honestly, yeah. some of these things, we were literally cleaning the carpets and putting a sign in the front, mm. and we were making $100,000 in 30 days. Yeah, wow. And so it got really, really, really good. And again, I just thought, man, this is, I'm, I'm really good at this. Uh, yeah. You know? Uh -huh. Looking back, I realized, like, man, I was really lucky with the timing. Mm -hmm. We were buying everything at half of a replacement cost. Yeah, yeah. So, like, any fool that was either stupid or, or brave enough to buy these properties mm -hmm. would have been doing the exact same thing yep. I was. So I was definitely um, uninformed enough to just be hard charging it, which led me to a place that allowed me to like really get ahead. And so mm -hmm. we built a lot of capital and I built a really great investor network and base yeah. because we had a track record of a ton of deals that went really, really well. Mm -hmm. Obviously as the market changed and it kind of dictated where I found opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so as the distressed market went away, um, you know, foreclosures, we started doing a lot of note deals because we had mm -hmm. relationships with banks. Um, from there it transitioned uh, naturally into development. Mm -hmm. And then as the market really, really improved, meaning the distressed market was gone, because I was so spoiled, like being born in the distressed market of like buying it half. These are great deals, yeah, yeah, every deal's your perfect. Your basis yeah. is so low. Mm -hmm. I was passing on so many deals that people were bringing on because mm -hmm. I was like, that's not good. Mm -hmm. That's not good. I've, yeah. you know, I bought that same kind of property for half of that. Yeah, that a couple years ago. Yeah, 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 exactly, right? So I got to a point where I was kind of sitting on the sidelines. We had made a bunch of money, but I was sitting on the sidelines watching other people still make money. Mm -hmm. And I realized really quickly, like, hey, man, things change, and you have to reinvent. You have to pivot. Mm -hmm. You have to change. And so um, I started talking to a lot of my investors that now their current or core businesses had really picked up. And because I had made them a lot of money over a lot of years, I was like, hey, guys, time to make me some money. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so why don't you let me invest in some of your guys' core businesses? Mm -hmm. And um, and we had a lot of capital to deploy. And so some of them let me do that. And a couple of my early ones were just huge wins. Mm -hmm. And so again, started the cycle of like this pride, mm -hmm. ego, like, man, I'm good at this. Yeah. You know, and, and then you do a couple more deals and you get your teeth kicked in, you realize, mm -hmm. 
there's a lot more to this. And so the thing I love about your story, though, and a lot of people watching, maybe they, they look back this last decade and go, well, those guys were just lucky that just time the marker. And it's like, yeah. well, that you said, yeah, I'm lucky kind of being modest, but luck is comes from a lot of sweat and a lot of hard work. Yeah. Being in the right place at the right time being you. Hey, people listening, you were alive at that same totally. time point. What did you do with it? Absolutely. Right. You didn't do it. Aaron Absolutely. did. You didn't. A lot of these investors did. Why? And um, I love, you know, and then those deals ran out and you said, I'm going to still be in the game. And you can't hit a home run sitting on the bench, yep. right? You got to be in the game at bat swinging. You said, I'm going to do some more deals. We're going to find different types of deals. We're going to do note deals. We're going to do other, you know, we're going to just adapt. Absolutely. Any type of market, any type of cycle you can make money in. Mm-hmm. Um, even right now, you're still doing deals you know, right now. So tell us kind of from then till now what you guys have been doing. Yeah. So, I mean, so what happened during that transition is, and, and you bring up a really good point of, for us, like most people in real estate, especially as they go into development, they become very specialized. It's not very often that you meet a real estate developer or somebody that's doing a lot of projects that's doing like five different asset classes, mm-hmm. right? Most yeah. of them are like, hey, I'm gonna do class A office, or yeah. I'm gonna do warehouse, or light manufacturing, yeah. I'm gonna do self storage facilities. I've been a part and a principal of, of developing and or purchasing, acquiring, stabilizing, and disposing mm-hmm. of almost all asset classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason is, is you know, and people, a lot of people say, oh, jack of trade, master of nothing. It happened to me by accident because when I was buying distressed notes, the way that banks would package all of their inventory, they would say, oh, you want these five houses? These are great. I'm going to give you this crappy little movie theater to go with it. Mm. Or, hey, you want these 10 homes? Mm. Okay, cool. Take this self-storage facility as part of the package. With it, yeah. Right? So we started doing that, and I was getting these one-off buildings mm-hmm. for retail that were self-storage, that were office buildings or dirt that was zoned for this or for that, right? And so it was. they were almost like free with the deals, yeah. but I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. These other ones, I didn't have a clue. But now that I owned it, I was like, I'm gonna learn really, really quickly what the hell I'm supposed to do with this. So mm-hmm. I would yeah. dive in. I mean, I remember the first time we did our, our first self-storage facility deal, within like six weeks, I had attended seven self-storage facility conferences throughout the country. I just Flying around, so I'm gonna go learn myself. It. Yeah, three days full go, mm-hmm. paying the, you know, three to five thousand dollars per course or for weekend of whatever. Yeah, just building my network and learning, um, interviewing with some of the biggest self storage facility companies in the world. Extra Space mm-hmm. is a Utah company with like a four or five billion dollar market cap. Wow, I was sitting with their CEO, just random like yeah. firing questions, taking off. notes. Oh yeah, yeah whatever I had that. to do, yeah. right? Because now I'm an owner of this asset class and I got to figure it out. So that was a real benefit to me because when I transitioned out of distressed real estate and became a developer, the deal flow that was coming into me was so diverse. Mm-hmm. Most real estate guys would only say, hey, this is my, this is my vertical. The rest of it, it just kind of deflected. Mm-hmm. But I was like, hey, I got a bigger funnel. Yeah. And so I'll take on all this stuff. I know how to do it. I've already done all of these kind of mm-hmm. deals. And so that was a real And then learn what you don't know, right? You Absolutely. travel around, pay for, and you've said this before, you paid, I've seen you pay for lots of different coaching, masterminds, programs yep. to just learn, yeah. to build I your mean, network. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, we're, we're in a, a day and age where you can get more free content mm-hmm. than ever before mm-hmm. through YouTube and through social media. But the fact is, is like, this is the real lesson that I tell people like the upper echelon, every one of those people pay to play. Hmm, yeah. All of them. Like most people don't learn that. You can get to here just consuming free content, doing the free networking events, da da da. But if you want to reach upper echelon of networking, of like hmm, hierarchy, yeah. of you have to be, I, I say pay to play. And that's not just content, it's not just masterminds, it's not just groups and networking groups. Hmm. 
or coaching. It's also just experiential stuff. Hmm. Like there's a lot of events and things that I've been a part of that I had to write big checks to be a part of, whether mm-hmm. they were golf events or travel in this or pay my share of the private jet to travel. But guess who's on that in that group? You know, I'm paying people that did the other, same thing. I'm yep. paying to be in that circle. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows like you are the sum of the five people you're spending the time with, mm-hmm. right? So for me, it's it's a lesson that it's hard pill for people to swallow because they just think like grit and everything's going to do it all. And it's and it's a big part of it. It's a lot of the heavy lifting. But you got to pay to play too. Like mm-hmm. if you want to be there, it's part of the gig. Yeah. And so, yeah, we we had to learn and we had to figure out who we wanted to be and we're still kind of figuring that out, but that transitioned into being able to do a lot of different real estate deals. Yeah. And from there, um, I started getting a lot of other deal flow. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. most people just kind of thought I was a lender. So people were bringing me deals mm-hmm. as a hard money lender. Yeah. And my pitch to them, they'd sit down and they'd be like, here's my deal, I'm looking for a loan. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, I'm not a lender. Hmm, yeah. But thanks for coming in. Sounds like an awesome business. Why don't you just let me invest in the business? Yeah, you cool. Know? And, it, and people are like, no, nah, I kind of want the loan. And I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll make you a loan. Mm-hmm. But if I make you a loan, the terms are going to be so egregious. Yeah. It's what I would call a loan to own. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I think you're going to fail. I'm mm-hmm. betting against you. You probably don't want to take those kind of terms mm-hmm. on a loan deal, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, no. And I'm like, yeah, so just let me invest in your company. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm your partner. Yeah. And then we can grow this thing together. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've been doing for probably the last six years mm-hmm. is looking at opportunities with fantastic operators, mm-hmm. fantastic CEOs, founders, and saying, hey, this is a guy or this is a girl that I think can take it to the finish line. Yeah. And they're going to get beat up and they're going to run into dead ends, but they're going to pivot, they're going to learn, they're going to figure it out, they're going to find solutions. And so that's what we've been doing. And I think we've got, uh, we've got over 30 portfolio companies now and investments mm-hmm. in multiple different um, asset classes, not only in real estate, but also in different industries, mm-hmm. um, private equity, growth stage, seed, you name it. Yeah. So. Okay, I love that. And that's something I've talked about on this show too, of Something I've seen, I just tell people I run a fund yeah, and I tell people I have money or I have a lenders or I have yeah. access to capital and it's sure. funny how many deals knock on your door, right? And it gets you in the game, gets you talking. A lot of people are, oh, how do I find the deal? How do I find it? How do I talk to, you know, I got to kiss a lot of frogs before you, you know, I take one, right? Yeah. And that's one way, and it sounds like you got a lot of deals from just your reputation yeah. in the game. of Being a deal guy, being out yeah, there. Being a, just, I mean, there was a point where uh, me and a former business partner, we actually ran an ad at an economic summit where we, you know, I don't know, there was a few thousand attendees and mm-hmm. these were all business owners, people that were coming to kind of gauge the socioeconomic conditions for their businesses mm-hmm. and lay out plans. And what was interesting was the ad that we ran in the summit's um, like itinerary mm-hmm. yeah. was like our logo. And then it said like tr- something to the effect of like trying to deploy equity for deals or like mm-hmm. we have equity for deals yeah. or we have equity to, to spend or to whatever. However, it was worded, but the premise was we got a bunch of money, yeah, and we need to do something with it, yeah. And we didn't have a bunch of money; we had money, we yeah. had access to a lot of money, yeah. Um, and we got a ton of deal flow from that because oh, yeah. it's amazing. Like even for wealthy people and even for thriving businesses, mm-hmm. like everybody needs capital, yeah. You know. Well, Aaron, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, How can people pleasure. connect with you and learn more about you? If you know, yeah, follow you where? Follow, yeah, just follow me on Instagram, Aaron mm-hmm. Wags, A A R O N. W-A-G-S. Yeah. That's it. Aaron's got amazing content on YouTube, Instagram. You have a lot on there. Um, talking to all sorts of stuff, business, motivation, yeah. life. I mean, 
you got you've won in a lot of areas of your life, and I love that you're sharing with people. So, anyways, thanks for coming on thanks, today. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Hey guys, wasn't that awesome? Hey, if you want to learn more about funds, how to get going, how to get started, we did something cool. I put together what I call a mini vault, and we've recorded a ton of training videos and resources to help you launch a fund. In addition to that, I gave you my favorite pitch deck that I used for a fund previously. I also give you a step-by-step -step guide of how to go through and launch your fund. Additionally, you once you get into our mini vault group, you are put into our private Facebook group, and guess what? I go live in there once a week to answer your questions specifically about the fund and you get to interact with other fund managers from around the country and around the world. So if you're interested, go to www.investmentfundsecrets.com. You can hop in and join the group, join the private members group, get the resources, download the PDFs, and I would love to see you in there. Love you guys. Peace.